All right. Hello, everyone. I hope that you can find us here. We're having a little bit of issues with the streaming site, but this should make it work. And you should be able to tune in through my LinkedIn profile. You should be able to tune in through the Instagram, through our podcast. So we're going to dive right in because today we're going to talk about disagreeing with confidence. And if you can hear us well, if you can see us, let us know in the chat. Tell us where you're calling from. I'm here with Nancy today. Nancy, how are you feeling? We're going through some flexibility training. <laughs> Adapting, agility training. We're doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Boston. I have tulips behind me. Everything is well. And we're talking about a timely and provocative topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let me introduce you properly, Nancy. So Nancy is a communication strategist, an author, and an executive coach who guides companies to foster emotionally healthy cultures. She weaves together over 10 years of experience in communications and research in psychology and neuroscience. And Nancy works with leaders and teams across many industries to elevate workplace connections. She is all about effective, clear, and productive communication dynamics. And she gives workshops in these and talks at universities. And today we have her all to ourselves here in the LinkedIn Live Best Practice Series. Um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about disagreeing with confidence, because this is something that all of us need. All of us need this. I agree. And it's a tough one. It's a sticky wicket. It's not something mm -hmm. everyone really gets excited about doing. So I think it's really helpful that we talk about it and give the audience some real strategies, actionable strategies they can use. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start with the first step or the first tip that you would give to disagree with confidence to the listeners. So what I, what I wanna preface it with is that this notion that anytime you wanna disagree with someone, you have to start by validating them with a positive comment or a compliment, I think is a little bit of a dated obsolete approach. I don't think it's the best way. It can come off as disingenuous because it's so widely known as, you know, the sandwich or however people call it to, to deal with conflict. Uh, the first step that I would strongly urge your audience to consider when they want to disagree with someone is to state their own experience with I statements. And we're sort of socialized and conditioned that I statements, you know, are self-serving and, you know, there's no I in team and all of that. In this particular case, however, when you speak your own experience, you serve to give information without putting the other person on the defensive. You statements invariably put the other person on the defensive and they are, instead of actively listening to you, they're formulating a rebuttal because they're feeling maybe a little attacked or maybe a little put off. So example, you're talking to a colleague at work, say, or it could be a friend. I mean, it, the, these apply to personal relationships or work relationships because we show up as a human in either or in both. If you are working on a project with a teammate and you disagree with an approach, to start with an I statement, I am noticing that when you shared your uh, idea for the next deadline, I felt that there might be a misalignment between our words and actions, and we may want to revisit this. You have mm -hmm. disagreed. You have done it with respect. 
you have shared your experience and then you stop and let the other person share theirs. The second thing is do not project their, their um, re reception. Do not project how your words are going to land with them. Speak your words, speak your truth with respect, compassion, professionalism, all of that. Let them share their experience. And there you go. You are in the vortex of collaboration suddenly, not defensiveness and people getting prickly and feeling like they have to, you know, make an argument back quickly. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. And I think that also shows, I think this is something that we spoke about in earlier conversations uh, as to about what is the truth and what is the story that we make up in our heads uh -huh. and in our minds and how you just described it. Let them have their response. That's their right to have their response. And it's not up to us to fill in the blanks and, oh, he's probably going to think this or, oh, he must or she must or this. Those are all the things we make up in our minds. And I thought was so what was so powerful that you said then was to to ask yourself that question, like, what is what is the truth here and what is the story? And very often the story is so overpowering and right. the truth is it's being left out. Absolutely. And something that I do with clients often that can be extremely powerful is to do that very exercise you just referenced, a fact and fiction exercise. So I have them unpack the scenario that they experienced or the one that they're anticipating experiencing and, and write down the facts of the scenario and then write down the fiction to your point about narratives that we create, stories that we make. What are the facts? So in the, in the example I was just using, the facts are you have a teammate who has an idea that you don't really like. That's the fact. Their intention, you know, their agenda, all of the rest of it is fiction. It's a story that you're writing. Now, you may have good reason to, you know, you may have history to base it on. It doesn't mean that ultimately it will end up always being fiction. But in that moment, it's extremely important. It's critical to stick to the facts and speak to the facts and give the other person the opportunity to do the same. And it's also interesting to notice if they're using a lot of you statements or I statements, because you're actually also modeling for another person when you do that. So it can be a really powerful, productive kind of experience, this disagreeing when you do it the right way. Absolutely, absolutely. I see a comment coming on from, from Suzanne, which also means that it's working, our uh, hack to get us live. <laughs> so thank you, Suzanne, for letting us know. With respect is such a subjective concept. What statements would display disrespect? Amazing question. Any thoughts, Nancy? Yeah, leave it to Suzanne to come up with a humdinger of a question. She's she's, <laughs> she's awesome. She's a she's a friend of mine. So, it and you're absolutely right. With respect is a subjective comment in in the in the in the context of think about it this way. When people are on the defensive right away, their filter may be telling them they're, they're, it's an attack. I'm under attack, right? They get into the amygdala. They get into fight or flight. They want to be right. 
So we have to factor that into this discussion because when people are hearing something that doesn't align with their idea, they may be, you know, filtering in a way that it sounds disrespectful. And then we're back in story writing, right? So personally, what I do and what I guide clients to do when they're speaking with I statements is to, when you say I am noticing or I am feeling that there's a misalignment between our words and actions on this project, if we instill a deadline of X, Y, Z, there is really very little room for misinterpretation right? You are saying, I am feeling this. The other person could say, I'm not feeling that. And then we go into, right, the Socratic method. Let's ask probing yeah. questions to get to the bottom of it. That's interesting. I'm glad you shared that. Why do you feel that it is, right? And all of that is respectful. You're giving another person space. You are honoring your own ideas. You're coming together and, and creating a space for collaboration. I hope that makes sense, Suzanne. Your, your question is layered and complex, but I hope that kind of makes sense. I love how you how you refer it back to the Socratic questioning. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, who knows if he really said it, Socrates, um, wisdom begins in wonder. And it is, it's my favorite quote because it's how I run my coaching as well my coaching business and how i try to be in my everyday life and that's exactly what you just described from curiosity instead of yes. from assumption which also ties back to this fact or fiction we don't know what the fact is so instead of right. making up fiction go go from curiosity and ask those questions like you said to understand and and asking those questions immediately makes that collaboration happen yeah. Um, Suzanne uh, said it's yeah. very helpful. Amazing. I'm sorry, Nancy. Our day has been made. I, I'm, I'm so glad because that was a great question. That was a tough question. Um, and to your point about the, the curiosity, I could not agree more because it's growth mindset, right? Carol Dweck's work of paramount importance growth mindset, instead of kind of a black and white binary approach where it's right or wrong, it's I win or you, I win and you lose, you know what I mean? And there's this little exercise that I like to do with people to kind of demonstrate how we can change our experience so dramatically by paying attention to those narratives. And it is a simple exercise. I say the next time you're on the road and you become enraged by what another driver does, we don't have to usually wait too long for that to happen. Do this, mm -hmm. write a story about that other driver, a compassionate, sympathetic story and see what happens to your body. Because you know how you get, you know, you're clutching the wheel and you're, mm. and I, I've done this, like write a sympathetic story. Oh, that person is in a hurry because there's an emergency and their, their cat is sick and on their lap in the car and, uh, and you completely re-regulate your nervous system in that moment and change your experience. And of course, you don't have any reason to know that the story you're creating is correct. Lesson, you have no reason to, um, to confirm that the story you're creating is correct. It works for the sympathetic story, just like it works for the other mm. story that got you so enraged in the first place, right? So we are in control of our thoughts. And just, and that applies to disagreements. 
you know, notice how much you're creating a story. And then just how about you don't do that and you lean into the facts and, 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 and search for collaboration with curiosity. Mm, absolutely. It makes me think of many, many experiences I had as a project manager in high-tech innovation where team members did not deliver. And my initial response was to go into conflict because I needed X to be done and it wasn't done. And I had a client and I had a budget and I had all these things. And this person was not delivering. And once I learned, like, and I learned that really quickly because I didn't want to get into a conflict or a disagreement. Right. So I was seeing like, how can I navigate this? And also someone told me, you have no idea why this happened. You have no idea about the facts of what's going on. The story right. of the person in the car with the cat and the emergency, you have no idea. So instead right. of like, why did you not deliver on time? I hope everything is okay. <laughs> what made that this and this wasn't on time? From curiosity um, and from help, those questions. From curiosity, help me understand is a powerful phrase mm. for leadership to use. Help me understand where the breakdown was on this particular leg of the project. Help me understand why you're missing that. That is such an that is such an impactful and kind way to approach something that may not be going well. Right. So it's I always it that. always comes back to inventory of language. It, when you assemble the inventory of language and you practice using it, it's at your fingertips next time because you're building neural pathways. So, so assemble that inventory of language, get the right support around you so that you can, if it doesn't come naturally to you. And that's an easy fix. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, it is. And for me, not being a um, uh, English, not being my mother tongue, it's like learning a language. It's like adding words to your vocabulary. Exactly. Adding sentences. Exactly. Amazing. All right. So we got, we separate the facts from the fiction. We talk in I instead of you. What else can we do to have these disagreements with confidence? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight something that I would hope people don't do. And that is apologize. Please do not apologize for disagreeing. You apologize when you have something to apologize for, if you are disrespectful, if you hurt someone's feelings, if you, whatever, all the things. But there's no need to apologize for disagreement as long as you do it with respect. Um, because it's become a crutch. There's an epidemic of apolog apologizing. And I would venture a guess that it may be more severe for women than for the rest of the population. That's neither here nor there, but I just think it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. something to mention. Apologizing, you're, you're minimizing and diluting yourself. And apologies come in many forms. It's not just, I'm sorry. It's, well, I'm just an N of one. Or, well, I don't know much, but we'll all do respect, which really doesn't mean anything. Um, these kind of crutch phrases that we throw in because we really don't want to take up space. We really don't want to get anybody's feathers ruffled. Well, but you're starting out from a position of weakness. Better to say, I'm noticing that, you know, I, I would like us to dig in and understand better where each other is coming from. I, I, instead of, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to disagree, but 
no. Like I, I, I bristle at that. And I know it's a difficult thing to a habit to break. It's a difficult habit to break, but um, that is something that I think needs to get left kicked to the curb. Um, it's okay mm-hmm. to disagree and it's okay to take up space. And the more you do it in a way that feels respectful and collaborative, the more practice you get, and then you're more apt to do it the same way next time. So try to leave the apologies out. And anytime you feel yourself doing it, you know, like even do a little hash mark on your notepad. Oh, I just did that again. Notice how much yeah. you do it. Um, and then try, try to leave it out and replace it with more empowering statements. This is such a good practice. And, and I say practice because it is an absolutely a practice and I am still practicing it because right before we started this life and we found out that nobody's really seeing it, I had Nancy on us, of course, as a guest, I have you here, I'm hosting you. But instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I have trained myself and I'm training myself every day. And in that moment, I said it very consciously, thank you for your flexibility instead of sorry for all of this, because this is not my doing. Right. And like uh, Joy Brooks said here in the, in the chat, my experience with apologizing is that once you speak these words, the perception is that you are owning the fault. Yes. And I think that's really powerful. Yes. Um, and Tam is responding to that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, then the other person almost dismisses what you say. Right, you're setting yourself up for, and it's almost like you're trying to be smaller or you're trying to be, mm-hmm. and, and understanding, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for a bull in the china shop kind of approach to disagreement. Where well, I think this and I think that. No, it, it is in the spirit of collaboration and understanding and curiosity, to your point, Marcia. Curious yeah. openness. Mm-hmm. Let's hear each other. I am experiencing X. I would now love to hear your experience. And that's where problems get solved and bond, connective tissue is created, you know, because you're you're validating the other and asking them to, to validate you. There's no need to apologize for anything there. That's all goodness, right? Absolutely. And one thing that I want to want to shine a light on and hear your thoughts on, Nancy, is that this is very deeply ingrained, I believe, a belief that um, disagreeing is disrespectful. And that is a very ingrained belief that um, a lot of people have. And I had when I first started out um, in an environment where I had to disagree, like disagreeing is disrespectful that is why we say sorry that is why we make ourselves small because it's like a crime you shouldn't do that what are your thoughts on that and maybe how we can redefine and reframe that belief yes i 150 agree uh it, it it all goes back to home and we don't have enough time but and and it this gets eye rolls regularly but everything starts at home we are socialized and imprinted in a certain way. It is not about blame. It is just about the human condition. We come into this research shows that actually we're, we're getting imprinted in utero. So the science tells us that we are socialized and imprinted in our first family dynamic, however that goes. We carry those, those imprints 
on and it affects how we show up. My working premise is let's figure out, not blame and not victim, let's figure out and unpack our wiring so we understand how that impacts how we show up, why we may apologize a lot, why we get so uncomfortable speaking or self-advocating. Because by the way, self-advocating, we are often socialized to believe is selfishness. So there's so many things. And again, we have the power. Once we dig into that and unpack all of that, we know everything we need to know to build the experience we want, to build the path we want, to live the life we want. It goes on and on. But it starts with understanding our own wiring. Mm -hmm. That can be so powerful. And the interesting thing is that I do a lot of things with my clients. I work a lot of different alleyways. And uh, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dutch, but I'm not that free spirited, everyone. Um, That's funny. I work on a lot of different areas with my clients, uh, and we get a lot of stuff done around careers and lifestyle and things like that. But I've just started um, looking at some surveys for all of my client results over the past year. And what I see is that the biggest shifts are in understanding themselves. Exactly what you just described, that is what they found the most to be the most powerful because that is where you can start making the change when you do understand yourself. Oh my gosh, and we can talk about this all, so all long, day. so long all, because it opens <laughs> up everything, right? When you and what is it that it's metacognition in a way, right? It's noticing yourself. We're not good at it. How can we be? Because we're in our brains all the time. So to step aside and say, oh, I'm noticing that I'm doing that thing I always do when that person says that thing they always say. And you know what I mean? It's like a, it's like pulling the string on a sweater and pretty soon you have a lap full of yarn. So it, you, it can be unnerving, it can be unsettling, and it can be so liberating. So I do the same. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just getting people to map out what I call their fear journey, the things that happen to them as young people. And then we connect dots. Oh, that's why you, Every time you're in a team meeting, your mouth goes dry and you can't remember what you were going to say because your brain stops working. So it, it is a process, but a valuable one. So Krista has a Absolutely. question. Do we have time? Yes, I think we have time for Krista's question and then we will wrap it up to respect everyone's time here. So Krista said, how would you suggest, Nancy, finding that balance of not stampeding the person you're disagreeing with while still standing your ground? What are your thoughts? That's a great question. And um, th this whole concept of staying in your experience, expressing your experience takes the stampede out of the formula. Okay. So when we say, if you just imagine you go into a, a discussion, you say, well, I disagree. That's a, that's the that's the start of the stampede. So if you say, I would like to better understand your viewpoint because I feel there may be a misalignment in our respective approaches, right? Just different language and there's no stopping. There's no disrespecting. And you're setting the stage for a balanced, respectful discussion. I hope that makes sense to Krista. Feel free to reach out after we can talk about it more. But th that is why the I statements are so critical because they allow you to express your experience, your truth, speak your truth and leave space for the other person, hold space for the other person to do the same. No stampeding involved. Mm, amazing. Yes. And when you said, um, I disagree, 
at first I thought, oh, but nobody says that. And then I thought for a second and I thought, wait, that this is actually how a lot of disagreements start yes. <laughs> where we say, I disagree. And that's right. how we start. And how are you ever going to get back to collaboration? I mean, you can, but it's a lot more harder work than starting from, I feel, I see. Right. Exactly. Or even if you say respectfully, I disagree. Well, here we go again. Now we're back to minimizing ourselves, but disagreeing. And it's like this kind of like word salad that just puts everybody on the defensive. So better Absolutely. to kind of pave the way and create a foundation from which collaboration can occur. So glad. I'm glad it makes sense. Great question, Krista. Amazing. Nancy, thank you so much for sharing all these amazing tips with us to recap for everyone we talked about separating facts from fiction. We talked about not apologizing when we're not doing something wrong, like disagreeing. We talked about um, speaking in I instead of you and so much on the side that was incredibly powerful. How can people connect back with you, Nancy? How can they take this further if they wanna tap into more of your wisdom? Sure. Well, thank you, Marcia, for having me. You're, you're a tremendous coach and you're helping a lot of people. And I'm grateful for your work. Uh, you can find me, anybody can find me on my website, Nancy R. Berger, B-U-R-G-E-R.com. There you can schedule a call with me. You can email me. You can find all my social channels. So that's really the best way to find me, NancyRBerger.com. And I look forward to, to connecting with anyone who may have questions after today. Amazing. Amazing. All right, people, make sure that you check in with Nancy, at least follow her on LinkedIn because um, she has amazing stuff to say. If you would like to tune in with what I have to say, you can follow me, you can connect with me, say hi if you like this. And every Friday, I share a beautiful newsletter where I share my personal growth so you can actually watch along in my journey of personal development, leadership, entrepreneurship, womanhood, all the good stuff. So tomorrow that is going out. You can find the link on my profile where you can sign up to this newsletter. And uh, I would love to have it be in your mailbox. Nancy, thank you so much. And I thank wish everyone much. a really lovely day. Bye.